Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. This week, I'm coming in with my second episode in the Success with ADHD series, and I'm talking with Brendan Mahan. Brendan is a dynamic ADHD and executive function consultant, coach, and speaker. He also runs the ADHD Essentials podcast on this very network, and I'm sure you've heard the name Brendan Mahan a few times while listening to this podcast because he's probably one of the people I quote the most because he just has so many great ideas about ADHD and how to approach those issues. You also may remember him from when I interviewed him a few years ago about The Wall of Awful. And if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. The Wall of Awful is a concept that's definitely worth knowing about. In our conversation today, Brenda and I talk about what makes us successful with ADHD and how we can reframe some of those ideas to fit in with who we really are and how one of the biggest keys is finding balance in our life and our work. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash ADHD success part two. All right, keep on listening to find out why I love Brendan so much. You're going to love him too. When we hear the phrase being successful with ADHD, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The idea that it summons forth. For me, success with ADHD is about balance. And, and honestly, like I often say ADHD is life on hard mode, right? Because if you got ADHD, all of the things about life that are difficult become more difficult. Um, and I kind of feel like success in life in general is about balance. So success in life with ADHD is about balance too. Because to me, it's not, it's not just the typical things that we look at when it comes to ADHD, especially in adulthood, right? A lot of the things that we talk about for ADHD with adults are things like productivity and success and those like things that are typically factored into your job and career. And that's not all of it, right? Like that matters how much work I get done in a day matters, but so too does my relationship with my family and my relationship with my friends and my relationship with myself. And so to be successful with ADHD, I think you need to have a balanced approach. You've got to be taking care of yourself while you're also taking care of your stuff, whatever that stuff happens to be. Um, and, and I found, I found out what it's like to be unbalanced. I had my ADHD on lock for a long time. And then like so many other people, COVID hit and it threw me out of whack. I have identical twin sons who are now 13 years old at the time they were 11 and 12. The first school year of COVID I homeschooled them because we didn't know what was going on. There were there were no vaccines yet. We didn't know how contagious this virus was. We didn't know how deadly it was. We sort of knew how deadly it was. We knew about some of the long-term ramifications for people who are getting it in as much as you can within the first year of a virus hitting. And I had to make the decision quick. And I happened to be a sixth grade English teacher who was licensed in English and history. And my kids were going into sixth grade. And I was like, well, I know half of this curriculum and I can figure the other half out, at least with regard to core subjects. 
Um, and so the boys were home for a school year and we homeschooled. And that meant that for my business, I had to shove clients around to the morning into the afternoon, evening. And there were a lot of things I didn't do. And I basically completely ignored my self-care for the whole time. And so I got out of balance, right? Like I managed to get my ADHD out of the way by powering myself with anxiety, right? Which is a, a way that people navigate ADHD is just like, I'm just going to freak out about all the stuff that I have to do and, and keep going because if I don't, the world will burn down around me. Like that's not success with ADHD, but it's how a lot of us make it seem like we're successful, right? Like, oh, that guy's doing a lot of things. He's successful from the outside, but on the inside, I was not successful. I did a lot of really good stuff. I made more money in my business than I had the year before. I saw growth year after year during COVID, significant growth, but I wasn't doing it right. It was it was all stuff I had done earlier, like years ago that kind of came to fruition and that sort of thing. And now I'm picking up the pieces. Now I'm getting clients that are new because I ha- I shut down a lot of my clients. I'm rebuilding things and developing stuff that I should have had nailed down a couple of years ago that had to get put on hold. But I wouldn't say that I was successful with ADHD, even though I was monetarily successful, even though my boys had a pretty good homeschool year where their dad navigated that stuff. And we did some really cool stuff. We had some great adventures and we learned a lot of good stuff, but I was a mess. So when I'm talking and thinking about ADHD and success with ADHD, there's two prongs. There's the end result and then there's also, how do you get there? Yeah, I can absolutely see that. That makes a ton, ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, so like the end result, some of the end results were good. My business made more money. My kids went back to school. They had a better group of friends than they did going in because I also ran a Dungeons and Dragons game for them and their friends, which created this tight knit group of kids that my boys didn't have previously. But also I gained 20 pounds I was anxious pretty much the whole time and trying to keep myself in check. So I wasn't cranky dad. Um, I was exhausted the whole time when my kids went back to school in September, I didn't really recover until January until like last month. And I, I didn't have it in me to do stuff. There were times I was launching the parent coaching groups one round. I literally was like, I don't care if people sign up <laughs> and, and, would say that to people while I talked to them about them. I was like, look, this is the groups. If it doesn't work for you, just say, so it's fine. I don't really have it in me to try to convince you to join. You either are interested or you're not. And if you're not interested, that's okay. Just let me know and we can end the phone call here. And I meant it. I wasn't a sales gimmick at all. I was like, if we can end this conversation 15 minutes early, I can sit down. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's not a balanced ADHD life. That's not a successful ADHD life. Am I answering your question in a way that's useful? I think it's incredibly useful because it is giving this perspective that so often we value success on these certain metrics without looking at what the trade-off is. And it is not great for our health or our long-term success with ADHD. Like one of the th- the example with anxiety, like I am not a late person very often, but that is purely from anxiety. That is not a healthy coping mechanism on how to not be late. Mm-hmm. There are many healthier with timers and setting some other things up to make sure that I can get to places on time that don't rely on me being anxious about it for hours beforehand. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I went around during that first stage of COVID, sort of pre-vaccination COVID, 
I was going around talking about how we have to prioritize our relationships with our family because you're going to be locked in the house with them for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, assuming you're social distancing and all that stuff. You can see a lot more of each other. You have to prioritize these relationships because it's going to burn down if you don't. And I was doing that. But also, I eventually was homeschooling the boys and was doing a lot of other stuff. And there were days when I just couldn't anymore. I was like, I'm just sitting on the couch and watching something that I want to watch. I don't want to have to deal with like who wants to watch what, who thinks about what, what does this person care about this show or not care about this show and all this stuff. There were days when I was like, I need to not care about what everyone else cares about. I need to not have to put everyone else ahead of me. Cause that was one of the things I was doing. I was putting everybody else ahead of me, which is how I roll most of the time. So I have more resilience for that than maybe some probably, especially men do, right? Because that's 85 to 90% of my life is putting everyone else ahead of me. And I've had to learn how to put me ahead of other people. That was one of the best things about COVID was I learned that I had, that was a lesson I needed to learn and COVID taught it to me, but I'm not typically the dad that's going to like throw on a movie or something and pretend their family doesn't exist for a couple hours. I never do that. During COVID, I was doing that because I wasn't balanced, because I wasn't taking care of myself in the way that I needed to be. And, and that's ADHD, right? That's, that's taking care. That's figuring out how to navigate your own challenges when it comes to executive functioning disorders and things while also caring for those around you. And how do you balance that? Yeah. Well, and I think this is like a great message for people too, because balance is such a hard thing for ADHD people to hit because they don't want to. It's not interesting to do some of the little things that are going to keep you in balance. It's I want to do the new shiny thing that's going to, you know, like I want to do all my podcast stuff because it's fun to do and I want to do all this stuff. And kids want to play this boring board game that I don't. Mm-hmm. Board games that a four year old can play are not as interesting as board games I choose on my own. <laughs> Yeah. Candyland is not Catan. I'm with you. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, but I still need to do some of those things because when I don't, it might feel good for a little while, but it won't last. It'll be, I'll burn myself out on doing what I want to do. And it's trying to find ways to step back, I think, from the ADHD impulsivity and like all in mentality. Yeah, I I agree. And And it's also like hiding inside of that are things like boundaries, right? Setting healthy boundaries around, I'm only going to do my podcast from X time to Y time because I need to devote my time to other things too. So I can't spend the next 15 hours doing a podcast episode that isn't going to work. I need to do the podcast episode for the three hours that I have available to me and then go have dinner with my family or play Candyland or whatever else needs to happen. And the other piece is reframing too, right? Like one of the things that was useful for COVID and it was a lesson that helped me be more successful with ADHD. And I know I'm kind of playing with COVID a lot, but I learned a ton during that time that applies to my ADHD and success with it. Some of what I had to do was because I was spending so much more time, especially with my kids, my wife is a scientist and went to the lab a fair amount, but even then, not always. She was still home. I was spending a lot more time with my family. And so I had to start reframing what we were doing. If we're hanging out and playing a game that I'm not interested in, right? And we're past Candyland, but we'll use that as the example. 
if we're playing Candyland, because for some reason my 13-year-old boys want to, or my wife does, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but we'll pretend. And I'm like, oh, I hate Candyland. <laughs> what I had to do was stop thinking of it as playing Candyland, right? Right now, I am not playing Candyland. I am investing quality time with my kids and my wife. And the form that that is taking is Candyland. But my primary objective here is not to play Candyland. My primary objective is to have a good time with my kids and my wife. And that little reframe helped me navigate stuff that otherwise would have been mind-numbing or frustrating or terrible. Yeah. I was just uh, thinking about this reframe recently in something I was writing where it was going from, I have to do something to I get to do something just mm-hmm. because we have this ADHD tendency of someone tells you, you, you have to do something. You no longer want to do it. You know, like, Oh, could you go do the dishes? Well, I was going to, but now I don't want to. And right. when you have that, Oh, I have to go play the stupid game. You know, Oh, I get to play the stupid game and have a break. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those little reframes are critical. Another, another element that's critical to finding that balance is self-forgiveness and self-compassion, right? And that's, that's a reframe too, right? Like, it's okay that I screwed up. It's okay that I made this mistake. Figuring out how to get over the fact that we're not perfect, that we're not always going to be amazing is important. Early on in, during COVID, when everything went into chaos... I was like, I'm built for this. Like in terms of parenting and navigating the home stuff, like I'm built for this. I'm a summer camp counselor, former summer camp counselor, former teacher. Like I know how to navigate this stuff. I am an incredibly socially, emotionally intelligent man. And that goes a long way to helping a family navigate challenges like that. And, and also in the beginning, I had that ADHD thing of like, well, this is new and interesting. I never survived an apocalypse before. So I was really engaged, right? Yeah. Year in, year and three months in, oh, that excitement was gone and it was just a slog and it was just hard. And because I started with so much enthusiasm, I felt really bad that it became a slog. I thought I had failed. I thought I had done something wrong. I thought I wasn't good enough. All the stuff I've been telling people a year ago, like you are good enough. This is just hard. It's okay that it's hard. But in my head, I'm like, but it's easy for me. Like I got this, right? And then it became hard. <laughs> um, and I had to talk to myself and be like, no, this it this is hard. It's hard because it's hard. You're allowed to be in a slog and overwhelmed and feel tired and not want to do it. And that stuff happens. And the same is true more broadly with living with ADHD. There's times when the ADHD wins, right? That phrase that I coined of sometimes the ADHD wins that it now has spread far and wide. That's part of the permission for having it. Like sometimes the ADHD wins and that's okay. Yeah. And it's sometimes the things that feel like they should be easy aren't. And when they're not easy, it's okay to be like doing the dishes is hard today. I know it's not, Mm -hmm. it's a simple task, but it can still be a hard task. Yeah. And because, and this is another reframe, self-compassion, understanding ADHD thing that all leads to success, recognizing that things are hard for different reasons, right? Doing the dishes in terms of technical skill is not hard. It's easy skill-wise to do the dishes. What's hard about it is the emotional component of doing the dishes. That's the part that's hard is the, I don't want to, 
that it's boring, it's tedious, maybe sensory wise, like maybe soapy water drives you crazy. I don't know. I have a client who's like that. She uses gloves when she does dishes, can't handle the sensation of soapy water. Those things might be hard, but it's not hard to like scrub a plate with a sponge. Like that part isn't hard. And we also, and we often beat ourselves up in that way where we're like, it's not hard to do the dishes. That's easy. Yeah. Skill wise in terms of scrubbing a pan or a pot or a plate, but activating for it or navigating the sensory experience of it or dealing with the tediousness of it, that stuff is hard. And, And like personally, I'll be doing the dishes and my wife will come over to talk to me and I will stop doing the dishes. I'll turn the water off and put the sponge down and turn to, to face her. And, and she's like, what do you, well, you know, you can keep doing the dishes, right? I'm like, no, I can't. I can't have a meaningful conversation with you and also do the dishes. It's just not a thing that I can do. Maybe if you were standing on the other side of the sink while I did the dishes, I could pull that off. But that means you have to go outside and get a ladder and we have to open the window. And we're not doing that, right? It's winter. So though even that, those pieces might be playing a role where maybe you have a friend or a roommate or a spouse who loves to talk to you when you're doing the dishes and you're like me and you just can't multitask in that way. There's lots of reasons why something that is conceptually easy to do becomes hard for folks with ADHD. Yeah. The sensory piece is just always so funny because it feels like I'm just getting one more input. It's not, and I can, I should be able to ignore it, but it's the same reason we turn down the radio when we're trying to look for a house, when we're driving down the street. Yeah. We're lowering those inputs and we're so that we can focus on what we need to do. Right. All right. Well, I think this has been great because I love the ideas here. And it really illustrates some ideas that I think people probably don't think about when they think about success. They often just go, success is hitting these metrics, but it's how you get there matters so much. Right. Yeah. My business is a small business. And sometimes I look at people who are significantly more successful than me and I get kind of like, oh, right. Like, how come I'm not way up there with them? And then I think about it and I'm like, well, it's because I'm doing different stuff, right? Like, do they sleep? How are their relationships? Do they exercise? Are they doing other things outside of their like professional goals? Oftentimes they aren't. Oftentimes they just do the professional stuff and everything else falls to the wayside, right? Like you look at someone and you're like, oh, wow, they're so successful. And then you go, oh, wait, they don't have kids. Like, there you go. They don't have any kids. Or they started with a million dollars, And hired out for kids and for mowing the lawn and for like maintaining their home because they had the resources to do that, which I didn't start with a million dollars. I have to mow the lawn and and shovel the driveway and clean the house and all that stuff takes time and energy that I am not putting into my business. And that's okay. That's the metrics, right? And so often the metric around success, the one we look at is the professional metric. And we often aren't looking at other ones. A little bit different with ADHD because people with ADHD see, we often see failure in the other realms, but we don't look for the success in it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like my house is a mess. Is it though? Like, is it really a mess or is there just like some stuff on the counter? But we see it as a failure, even though it's not, it's your, your, it's balance, right? Like maybe part of how you're balancing your ADHD is instead of using a bureau, you're living out of your laundry hamper with your clean clothes in there. And that's totally okay. That's that's a fair accommodation. But we ADHD folks often look at, I'm not doing a good enough job professionally, or 
I don't have any friends or I am divorced or I have a messy home and we don't look for the successes and we don't define success because that's in here too, right? Yeah. Like what is what does success mean? Does it does it mean that you stay married to a, a person that you don't actually match well with or is success being divorced? Like maybe that's success, right? Is success having a, a job that you hate, but going there every day and making enough money to survive or a success finding a job that you love, even if it's going to feel risky to leave the job that you hate? Yeah. I don't know. And often we're going, success is it's doing things how neurotypical people would do them. We're not up to those standards. Even the imaginary standards of a perfect person, it's not success. Yeah. And also those standards are dumb. Like they're arbitrary. They don't make any sense. A lot of neurotypical standards, even neurotypical folks aren't measuring up to them because they're, they're not based in reality. They're based in socioeconomic gatekeeping, right? Like that's what a lot of neurotypical standards are. It's like, well, your home has to be spotless because the wealthy people can have a spotless home because they hire someone else to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you don't have those resources, your home isn't spotless and it's not freshly painted every year and you don't have the latest television. Like so many of these things are based in, in resources, which folks with ADHD, not only do we typically have less executive functioning resources, we typically have less monetary resources because we have less executive functioning resources. And, and that affects us in terms of how much money we earn. But I, I I don't know. I like to I like to look at some of those standards and just rage against the machine instead of feeling bad about myself. I'm yeah. like, that's that's a standard that was not set by someone who knows what life is like. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. I hope you really enjoyed my conversation with Brendan. I know I had a great time with it and I got a lot out of it, so I hope you did too. If you want to see more of Brendan's stuff, you can go to ADHDessentials.com or you can find him on Facebook and Twitter at ADHD Essentials. Be sure to check out his stuff because he's got a lot of great tips for you and he's definitely one of my go-tos for ADHD. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. 
If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. For those of you late-diagnosed women, moms, and professionals, you can also check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maven. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What do you call a dinosaur with anxiety? A nervous rex. A nervous rex. 